Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Pod, but it's something very different. We've changed it up, brand new series called The Insight. So you're probably, you've just watched the Arsenal United game, you're strapped in to listen to Gary Neville talk tactics, or wherever else you've watched it in any other part of the world. But we are going to provide that for you in a 20-minute bite-sized episode. I've got Raj with me, I've got CK with me. CK's obviously a United fan, Raj is a tactico. Raj will hopefully be on lots of these uh, episodes. I'd love for him to run it because... Although I have lots of tactical knowledge, I feel like these boys have it much more than me. So very, very simple. The insight. You're going to get told all the little details that maybe you've missed during this game. I'm not even going to ask the boys how they are. If you want to know how they are, then the actual full episode goes out on Tuesday. But if you're not bothered about how they are, let's get into this. Uh, Raj, immediately, what was the first or what's the first thing you take away from a game like that? Firstly, I, I was surprised by how much United actually had control of the game in the in the first half. I expected them to be a lot less in control of things and thought Arsenal would have them penned in for most of it. I mean, the goal for Man United did come from a counter-attack, but they actually did have good spells of possession too. And I think a lot of that was down to how Arsenal's midfield was shaping up. I didn't really like the balance of Rice at six and Havertz at the left-sided number eight position, I thought. They lacked that bit of control in possession because of it. Rice was having to shoulder most of that. He was coming even to the left to start combinations himself because Havertz was going missing in space, really looking to attack space further up the field. And it was all on Rice, really. And he did a good job. He kept Arsenal in the game, really. Manu would have been, I reckon, a couple of goals up if Rice wasn't as good as he was. Um, but yeah, the balance was wrong. I think Havertz doesn't offer enough in possession. Everyone talked about Granite Xhaka last year in terms of his goals. But what people missed was he often did have spells when he was next to the holding midfielder and adding his own value in possession. But Havertz does not do that. He can't really pass around a block. He can't pass through a block. He's more about a guy who looks to attack space further up. And I thought the balance was wrong because of it. And um Arsenal's best spell of the game came when Vieira came on, and I don't think that's a coincidence. But yeah, Man United did well. I think Onana, you could see a big difference of how good he is at distributing from the bat. I think that all, most of Man United's stuff, best stuff came from Onana and Lissandro progressing down that side, uh, and he's made a big difference in terms of distribution, uh, 100%. TK, you've nodded through the whole of that, but being a United fan, I feel like I, I sort of watched this game feeling like it went to plan for United in the first half and then completely to pot in the second half. Yeah, I think we, kind of what Raj said, like, it was a bit surprising for me. I thought we really saw the impact of, of Onana in terms of Arsenal's reluctance to, like, really, really uh, commit to pressing high. Um, I thought we were going to be, you know, they're, they're suffocating sometimes with their man-to-man press. And I thought we saw the impact of Onana with his ability to just be calm, cool, and collected. And we've seen Pep talk about this before, how difficult it is to implement that high press um, with a keeper like Onana, who's able to just distribute and kind of pick you apart. And we saw that um, sort of in the buildup, the way that they were pressing, basically Onana would bait one of either Nketia or Odegaard to commit to him. Then he would play Ericsson. And then Ericsson would distribute to either whichever side, um, either Nketiah or Odegaard um, committed committed to. So it was either Wambasaka or Dallo on the left, and we were able to get out that way. So I think United did a great job kind of killing off the game a bit in that first like 20, 25 minutes, because I said this at the beginning, but the first 15 minutes were always going to be the toughest. Like if we were able to get through that without conceding or like facing a lot of pressure, I thought we had a good chance in the game. And that's exactly what we did and I'm not sure exactly when Rashford scored but I think it was around that 25 
30 minute mark. So mm. it was, it was an interesting game. I think both teams, I, I compared it to kind of like a boxing match in that first, like 20, 25 minutes of like, it was kind of like a feel out game. Guys were kind of like feeling out the opposition, seeing who's going to throw the first punch. Um, and it ended up being us off the, um, a Kai Havertz mistake. Erickson pounced on it and we were able to kind of, kind of get on it, but it was interesting how both teams kind of, went back to their went back to basics I guess um in terms of uh, our midfield their midfield their whole setup is kind of like I felt like I was almost watching the game from last season at some points I don't know uh, yeah cause I was just looking at the stats now and man you actually had 55 percent possession in that first half so I oh, was wow. very uh, yeah I was very impressed with that and uh Arsenal I, I think that's right they had a bit of fear of Anana they normally engage that very vicious 4-4-2 press but actually yeah. they were dropping off a bit and allowing Man U to come forward with it. And I think that came early on from Anana setting the tone uh, and really finding little gaps in Arsenal's pressing structure. So, yeah, I think people will look to that late goal from right, say Anana might have done better, but uh, let's have a look at the net positive of Anana on the whole game. And that is always the key to look at. You got a deflection I... too, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it took a massive deflection for the goal. I, I think the easy thing when United lose a game is to blame someone, naturally. Yeah. That's just how it is when you're a big team. Um, someone did tweet before, I think it was during the game, because Gary Neville kept saying in commentary, why are Arsenal not pressing United? Because this is where United are really weak at the back. Um, and then I think someone tweeted saying, United are trying really hard to bait Arsenal into their press like Brighton did. Do you think that was... Be- that was similar. That might have been part of the plan, or do you think that actually it was just because Anana is so good with his feet that United, sorry, Arsenal didn't press him? Yeah, I think maybe a little bit of a, a combination of both. I think honestly, I mean, Arteta is not not dumb. He obviously knows uh, Onana's ability on the ball, and I think he basically was banking on their organization, kind of in that kind of four four two kind of lower block, and kind of conceding that initial territory and saying, okay, you can. We're not going to press super high. We're going to concede a little bit of the territory and like can you break us down is that second phase good enough to to play between the lines and and connect connect play and we really didn't do much of that like they were very well organized they're shifting back and forth like most of our chances either came on the counter when we were able to find that out ball to Rashford or you know big switches of play when we were able to you know not just incrementally switch and have them um shift but one big switch where we were able to you know switch play like in one 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 fell swoop so i think it was kind of arsenal kind of played to their strengths a little bit in terms of okay we'll we'll concede this initial territory but we don't we, we bet on ourselves to like hold to be organized in that second phase and and united not be able to break them down what i am um, i just saw your tweet there raj about the fabio vieira thing did you say this before the change happened did you say the tweet is fabio vieira on a Left centre mid is the sub to make it. Arsenal in possession dynamics are completely off with habits. Rice is having to shoulder most of his build at work, which is kind of similar to what you just said then. Was that yeah. before the change was made? Yeah, I said it at half time. Mental, great knowledge. Um, what what do you think changed with Fabio Vieira coming on? The key simple thing is here, he's very comfortable at uh, playing in tight spaces and manipulating the ball, combining with others. You look at Kai Havertz, he receives the ball between the lines. He takes too long to play his next pass or turn or dribble. It's all very slow when Kai Havertz and cumbersome because he's not that tight space player. He's the guy who attacks space further up. Look at Vieira when he came on. Remember that Saka chance, which Anana did well to save. It came purely from Vieira, Martinelli, Saka coming over from the right, 
probing in tight spaces mm. and then switching it to the right after dragging all of United's defence to the right-hand side. So that's how that uh, chance came about. And that's the, that's the beauty of what you get with fat, someone like Fabio Vieira. And Kai Havertz will never do that. The combination will get to him. It'll take about a second or so. And it's too late. The, the, the next pass is not available. So that, that's the big difference. And then Rice was then able to just sit and recycle from the number six position rather than having to play passes on, in that left channel. Rice could just there and circulate it to the right, circulate it to the left. And that's how you're going to get the best out of this midfield. The problem is, though, on the other hand, if you play Vieira in that left-sided number eight position, he then drops into the pivot off the ball in the four-four-two defensive structure. Mm. Is that going to work? Uh, that's he's a bit lightweight. That's the problem with Fabio Vieira off the ball. So it, it might not. That's the problem. Hundred percent. Yeah, I was. I was just about to ask about. That was my next question. Do you feel like because you're talking about how much how Rice had to do a lot today um, already, and if you, if you play Vieira like that added. Say what you want about Kai Havertz, but he's a big physical guy. Like in duels, like he's able to to hold his own with a with Vieira and Odegaard out there. You're you're asking mm. a lot of Declan Rice. Not saying that he can't do it, but with Partey out mm. for you know three four months, it looks like that's a, asking a lot over the course of a season for for Declan Rice what, in every competition. What I wonder is if Odegaard ends up becoming the pivot player, and then Vieira presses from the front. I do think Odegaard has got a bit more physicality about him and a bit more mm. uh, positional intelligence as a blocking space. So will Arteta try and convert him into a pivot player off the ball and let Vieira push up? It's possible, but I do think Arsenal missed a big trick. They should have been in for someone like Alexis McAllister, someone like Emmanuel Locatelli, someone like a Lucas Paquetel. Obviously, the betting thing wouldn't have helped, but they should have been after that profile mm. who can play between the lines on the ball, but also defensively can drop into a pivot. I think they need that player. And Partey, I would have offloaded him because of the injury issues. Um, uh, and his age, he's, he's getting a bit older now. I would have refreshed him, uh, refreshed the midfield with another player. And I think they did miss out there in, this summer. Even in Amrabat, I know he's not the sexiest player of all time, but just some, they definitely need another body. The Amrabat thing, I was, I was exactly going there next because obviously we've just spoken about Arsenal's midfield. Um, United's midfield on the flip side, I, I feel like despite United losing 3 1, Ten Hag after the game said if the decisions were different, United do better, essentially. Um, you don't win another away game. Um, some might argue you you didn't play positively. Mm-hmm. Uh, the XG doesn't reflect well. I need to look through your tweets, and I'm going to do that in a second, CK. <laughs> but what do you feel could have been different in that game for United to actually win that game? I think it's it's what it's always has been. It's just the mental lapses and the inability to put together like a, a complete 90 minutes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So many times in these games, it's just like, it's just fine margins. It's like, can you just stay fully locked in, fully accountable for 90 minutes? And I think, I mean, we score and we what, concede maybe 30 seconds afterwards, like completely switched off. Yes, it was it was pretty good football from, it was a good goal from Arsenal, but like to be that switched off in terms of not tracking runners and, and leaving Odegaard free at the top of the box 30 seconds after you score is, is crazy to me. Um, in terms of the midfield, I was actually aside from that mistake that Erickson did being sucked in and leaving Odegaard, I was, I was actually pretty impressed with him for 90, the 90 minutes that he played. I was, I mean, everyone's concerned about him off the ball, but I actually thought he put in a decent shift. Obviously was really instrumental in that first goal. Um, so I thought he put on a decent shift. I think we just, I mean, I hate to say we just got unlucky, but like, I think we did, to be honest, I think the injuries really 
bit us in the butt in terms of like the 75th, 80th to like the, the end of the game. Like they're bringing on Fabio Vieira and Gabriel Jesus and we're bringing on Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire. Like it's just, it's, it's a tough, like the, the, the shift in quality just on the pitch within, especially after Lissandro went down, those last 15 minutes were really shocking. And you can kind of feel like after that, that goal got disallowed, you could kind of feel the energy and it's just picking up and picking up and picking up. And then, of course, it just ends up Johnny Evans not being able to go out and close down Cass- or Declan Rice there for the goal. It's just kind of how it works. Um, but yeah, I just think just the depth, the the mental lapses, and then just the pure just lack of quality on the pitch um, due to our injuries and in an already like pretty lackluster squad in terms of depth really bit us in the butt there. You were also both quite positive about Hoyland on Twitter. Mm, um, yeah. The flick for what maybe should have been a goal, Ten Hag thinks it was a goal. Um, but generally, he had a few moments where I think you could see why they bought the guy. He's physical, he's quick, he's powerful. Um, but also, his technical ability actually is better than what I, I initially thought. I watched quite a bit of him when he was at Atalanta, but I was pleasantly surprised. In the Premier League, normally you see strikers come in and their technical ability sometimes lacks. Um, but he, he sort of like... I feel like he hit the ground running. I've just seen your tweet, Raj, but I've just clicked off it. Um, but generally, I think you were quite happy with Hoyland's impact. Yeah, very good impact. I think Martial, as a nine, really, we didn't see much from him. He did try his best. His movement's good, but the the way he tries to make human. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was a real passenger. He gets bullied Hard too easily session. these days as well. Yeah, I mean, Martha Martial, I know, was able to hold off defenders and kind of play passes into into his fellow attackers. But we saw none of that. Erasmus Hoyland comes on. First thing he does, he rolls Gabriel, comes inside, sets up a counter-attack, which Rashford should have done a lot better from. So very impressive Hoyland. I did think he was a lot more of a vertical player. I'm the same as you, Rambo. I, I wasn't aware that he was this technical. I haven't watched that much of him outside of compilation. So, yeah, a very impressive start. Did a brilliant flick for the disallowed goal. Um, one concern I do have, which I think this is what caps Man United's ceiling as a team, uh, and it's the right wing slot. I think Anthony was praised a lot by Gary Neville on commentary for his defensive work, but that the, the, the play in possession from him, he was almost non-existent. And that is when Man United are playing well. He had so many moments where he had Zinchenko isolated. And we know Zinchenko in isolation isn't the greatest defender in the world, but he just couldn't make enough of it. And... I'd really struggle to see where he can impact this team. And I think Man United's attacking sequences are limited as well. Because when you've got Rashford so high and trying to play, make, make runs off the ball, you need a ball handler who can take the ball, combine with others, dribble past a man. But this is what Man United are lacking in the right wing side. And it's going to be a big problem for them. Even when they're dominating games, they need more from Anthony uh, than what he's providing. And... Maybe Hoyland can paper over the cracks with his link at play, but I do think that right wing slot is is a big problem. Hundred percent, yeah. I'll touch on both of those things. I thought Hoyland was really, really good as well. When you talk about Premier League centre backs, Gabriel and and William Saliba, those are two of, if not the most, like athletic, strong. Like that's a tough, tough test. Just being subbed on for your for your Premier League debut, and I thought he did so well. Like I haven't seen maybe anyone manhandle Gabriel the way he did the way he's able to just hold people off so so strong good low center of gravity and just was able to hold up play on a couple occasions obviously the flick for or for Garnacho's uh disallowed goal was great um and you can just kind of see like just that raw just like 
talent that he is. And I think the the more and more he develops, the more and more he trains, gets, gets that synergy with the rest of the team. Like, I honestly think we have a gem, to be honest. Like, he's 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 really, really, I was really impressed with him. Just, it's, it's not an easy task at all. Way at the Emirates against Saliba and, and, um, and Gabrielle, and, and as Raj said, Martial was basically just just doing cardio out there today. It's for me, like <laughs> he was get, just getting manhandled by uh, uh, by Saliba and Gabrielle, not able to to hold up play, not able to connect play. Really had that one chance where he was was through, but even his movement, like he's not able to accelerate anymore. He's not able to go by players. He's just like his body. I feel like it's just with all the injuries, just broken down a lot. And you know, I just think. He just can't be starting games anymore. But I think Hoyland came on and didn't did really really well. Um, and then on the Anthony point, it was actually interesting because I I just feel like the bar is so low for him that I actually thought he did uh, uh, decent <laughs> for like the way that he's been playing so far. It's obviously not good when you, the first thing you think of is like, oh, he had a good performance. He did really well out of possession. Um, but he did have a lot of like important interceptions. I thought defensively, but yeah, going forward, he just like it's not he's not a true winger going forward in my opinion like if he was bigger maybe he could play in like that right center mid slot but like he's just Zinchenko is maybe like one of the weakest 1v1 fullbacks out there right now and he just he didn't go at him one time and it's really really disappointing to see and and I agree that he could it could be a potential cap for us in terms of like when, when we combine well and we we actually have that first phase of infield and we break through the lines and then it gets to Anthony and then he dribbles a couple of times and, and passes back. And then it's just like, okay, what was all that for? So it's, it's, it's unfortunate that, that that's the case. Um, and I mean, obviously the window's closed now, but yeah, it, it's, it's tough to see. It's tough to see your, your winger being praised for out of possession work all the time. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is someone like, for example, Dejan Kulisevsky, I wouldn't say he roasts his fullback or anything like that. But the difference yeah, is yeah. he's able to get se- separation from his marker and put in very good mm-hmm. deliveries or passes in behind the defence. And that creative mm-hmm. set of tools is something that Anthony doesn't have either. I'm just he left wondering, what is it? Yeah. Yeah, he can't even Because you know, was, was so poor. Sorry, go ahead. Because there, there was a counter-attack that Arsenal had late in the game. Anthony hit it straight into the first man and had to run all the way back. And Gary Neville was yeah. like applauding him for his tracking around. Exactly, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it was Anthony's <laughs> bad cross in the first place. Right? Exactly, like, yeah. <laughs> no, there's one one thing for me. I just I think Ten Hag again showed how adaptive of a manager he can be in terms of his game plan and his setup, his ability to to control games when he doesn't have the lion's share of possession, even though we did have a little bit more than I thought we would. Um, and I just thought it was another really, really good setup from him. And he's, I think he's doing really well with the cards that he's dealt. And it was just interesting to see both teams kind of set up in a similar way. And with like that four, three, three base formation, four, two, three, one and build up four, two, four when pressing high. And then like a four, four, two low block um, kind of setup. but, and just how the different, profiles and the team like shapes the way we play and just how many of those profiles united are still still lacking um but yeah interesting definitely interesting game i think i definitely have to rewatch it so um probably get get more information on the rewatch but interesting interesting game for sure uh, as you can hear from uh, ck's voice he's in extreme pain um, <laughs> in, in 30 minutes time we will be recording the episode that you will be hearing 
uh, on Tuesday. So uh, you'll get to hear more about CK's pain outside of tactics and more on tiny details like Casemiro. We may discuss again, Bruno Fernandes. There's so many things still that are left to discuss about this game that maybe... <laughs> Go on, please have your piece on Bruno. Yeah, I thought he like. was poor. I thought he was poor again. I think... Yeah, it was just, it's disappointing to see. He just started the season really bad. And I think sometimes in these big games, like the physicality of it, I have questions about him and his physicality in these big games and how he matches up. I felt like he was getting bullied a little bit by Declan Rice. I mean, it's a tough matchup for him, but I think it's just some of those 50-50 balls, even like he was just stepped too late. And yeah, I thought he was just not, not a good performance from him today. Well, as I say, we'll discuss more Bruno, uh, more Arsenal United, and also all the other things that have happened uh, on the episode that goes out on Tuesday. So don't miss that. If you've enjoyed the insight, by the way, as I say, we want to keep the series alive. Uh, so if you do enjoy it, then make sure you sort of follow the boys on social media, reach out to them. They'll be posting the clips out. I'll obviously be posting some clips out as well, although you basically just hear me going, I agree. I agree. I don't agree. <laughs> so I don't know how many clips I'm going to get from this. Uh, but if you've agreed or if you disagree or just generally enjoyed this and make sure you like uh, and follow the podcast on Spotify and all other platforms, check the guys out as well. And we'll see you next time.